This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. So yeah, I've been revisiting some old projects lately, and I've got three apps in the App Store at the moment, which um, all of which currently constitute as old projects, actually, considering where they are and, and, and what's going on. Uh, I've got, obviously we've talked about before, I've got GoVJ in the App Store, which is my video mixing app. And I've got an app that I call Holovid, um, which is specifically for displaying videos on four sides with those sort of um, like projectors, which are, are made out of plastic that sit on top of the, the device. And it reflects like the, the video. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and an iMessage app because two and a bit years ago, I thought iMessage apps could be quite lucrative and it turns out they're really not, or at least this one wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I've been kind of revisiting these now that I've sort of reached a stage of being settled here in New Zealand and and life sort of becoming a lot more normal. Um, I've, I've been in a position to sort of start cracking the projects open and having a look again. And go VJ, I'm actually working on version two, which is a complete rebuild. Uh, but there's a but. I would be leaving the original app alone, uh, just not touching it at all and waiting until I had version two, except that one thing that can happen with uh, the, the way the software uh, works in terms of displaying stuff over AirPlay using uh, the OpenGL uh, libraries to sort of deliver the, the video mixing and, and to power all the effects that it's got. One thing that can happen is that when new devices come out, for some reason, I, I get issues in terms of being able to display over over AirPlay with them. So, yeah, one one of the things that's happened is the um, over the last month, I've been having reports of the 10s displaying a, a blank output when it's connected over AirPlay. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah. And and this has happened in the past. This has happened a few times and I've been through a whole rabbit hole of trying to debug and figure out and, and you know, at one stage actually um, managed to borrow a device that I didn't have and, and, you know, just sort of go through the motions of trying to figure it out. Uh, essentially, it, the thing that ended up working was rebuilding the app against the latest SDK, which means that the problem I've got is somewhere between how I'm talking to um, to probably how I'm, I'm using and, and dealing with the um, core graphics and OpenGL, uh, I think. I suspect that's what's going on, rather than actually the, um, the system in terms of being able to display a view controller full screen on over on AirPlay. Um, so I don't think it's external screen code. I actually think it's buried somewhere within within the video mixing system. But in any case, I don't know if it's on my side or on Apple's side, but I do know that rebuilding against the SDK seems to sort it out. So long story short, I've been bumping versions over the last couple of years while things have been on pause just to keep it updated with the latest SDK, but I don't always remember. And this this last month I I forgot to do that again when the new devices were out. I thought just having it on uh, iOS 12 and, and updating with Xcode 10 would be enough, but I've, I've needed to pull together another update. 
So it's, mm. it's kind of a funny thing. It sort of leads me into this position where I'm looking at the old code and kind of going, well, do I get into this? Do I start trying to fix this? Or if I can kind of just bump the version and it works well, I'm working on version two. That's a complete rebuild anyway. Uh, it kind of feels like a bit of a fool's errand to sort of start putting too much time into to getting to the root cause now when I know that I'm going to be sunsetting this version of the app. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting little dilemma, isn't it? You know, you, you mentioned about using OpenGL yep. to power your animations and stuff. Is there any sort of plan for you to take advantage of Metal? And I say that not really knowing anything about how OpenGL or Metal or anything like that works, but is that kind of a, like the next step for you? With version With 2, or? yes. Yeah. It is? Oh, okay, right. So uh, version 2 is an absolute rebuild anyway, and then... I'll need to build my, my video uh, mixing engine kind of all over again, using the original one as, as a sort of framework to to guide that development. Um, like a spec. Yeah, pretty much. And then at, at that point, I'll be rebuilding it with Metal rather than OpenGL because Apple have deprecated OpenGL anyway in terms of, of iOS and, and, and their, their frameworks and SDK. So although it's still there and it's still supported, Metal is where Apple want you to be. And I'm, I've got yeah. no plans to bring this app to Android or Windows or anything like that. There's no benefit to me sort of keeping things uh, kind of in in the OpenGL world there. And even if even if I did, about the only thing that would translate would have been my my um, shaders, uh, the actual system around. Uh, the video mixing, the OpenGL itself, that that's all platform specific, so it may as well be metal yeah. um, if I'm rebuilding it. Okay. Um, that does mean rewriting my shaders to metal ones, but actually by the time I get there, I find that sort of programming quite fun. So I'm kind of looking forward to that as, as sort of masochistic as it is. Yeah. Do you think you'll get more performance out of the app? I hope so. Yeah. That that's that's the big hope with with Metal versus OpenGL. Uh, I th- I hope to be honest that I don't end up in this situation where I've got some weird kind of edge case bug going on that only seems to be solved by by bumping up updates. Um, I hope that Metal is kind of at least better supported. Um, but I think performance, yeah, that that that's the big hope. And equally, you know, if, if longer term, I sort of take this into an updated kind of broader version of the app. Um, yeah, cunningly dubbed as GoVJ Pro. That might be the app that comes to the Mac via Marzipan. So again, I sort of feel like having things in metal is probably a good idea for that point. Yeah, it makes sense, I think, to jump on kind of the train that Apple are like telling you to get on basically yeah you know, you, i suppose you could be stubborn and be like well no i've written it in OpenGL, and damn it i'm gonna stay on OpenGL." but that's yeah you, you, uh, over time you're just gonna find more and more things start crumbling away i think beneath you i think so more and more situations where you know there's this this certain scenario this certain bug where something breaks down and you okay good luck filing a radar because apple don't care about it anymore yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, like I, I have one one of the other issues that kind of exhibited within all of this was um, I, I have like a, a situation where the the app can preview either channel of video, and then you've got a mixed output that displays separately, 
and kind of like the flow through for all of those is um, video one and video two are writing to their own OpenGL textures. And then the main output is another OpenGL texture that's a combination of the two uh, blended mm-hmm. via, via a shader. And I had a situation where one of the um, the previews um, just seemed to override everything. And then the main output was showing what that was showing. The preview for video two was showing what video one was showing. Uh, something within within the innards just sort of completely bugged out. And, and I know that code very well and i don't believe there's anything that i'm doing down there that would would kind of make that happen so process of elimination then starts to point to the drivers at that point and some sort of glitch out with the with how the gpu is talking to the app uh again i don't think that's something that will get solved uh it by um in, in the passage of time because it's kind of mired within the depths of, of whatever's going on with how OpenGL's being taught to mm. so you think probably maybe redoing it in metal would kind of resolve those those issues just kind of as part of the, of the rewrite maybe yeah and i think just an, an element of um that then will also let me make sure once again that my code's as stable as it can be and kind of put it through its paces just by doing the rebuild but i also think that these sort of situations where you're kind of dependent on the best version of the drivers and everything talking to itself as 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 good as possible. That I think metal is going to be better supported. Do you know? I, I th- yeah. And clearly, long longer term, there'll be a point a few years out from now where Apple just sort of goes, "Oh, OpenGL is no longer even a thing." I think that's quite a way away because of all the different things that kind of rely on it. But yeah, you take the argument through to its conclusion. That's where it's going to end, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, that kind of puts more pressure on me to sort of start getting this this version two point together, which is which is fine. I've been enjoying kind of working on that as well, and, and it's um, it's nowhere near done yet, but it's certainly in a better state than it was a few months ago because I've actually started it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. So, so, so where, where did you land with that issue with the current version? Are you, are you thinking that you're just going to kind of progress with version two and and you know in in light of the version one being sunsetted or uh for as long as updating and, and kind of redoing a build seems to solve the problem then i'm probably better to just move on yeah um yeah, that just, makes sense yeah I, I could spend you know probably several weekends trying to get to the exact bottom of it and it still might not be mine to sort out it yeah. still, still could couldn't could come down to filing a radar <laughs> So, yeah, it just doesn't feel I've worth it. I've never done that. No, me either. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like maybe I should, but I've just never found anything that I need to file one for. Maybe I'm just like not being a good enough iOS developer to find all these things that's wrong with the you know, the platform <laughs> and stuff. But I just I just seem to use things, you know, like table views, collection views, you know, all, mm-hmm. all all the things, and they all seem to work most of the time. And usually it's me that's just messed something up when it doesn't. So. Found a couple of oddities inside of collection views on older iOS versions. So just a, a scenario where essentially it worked absolutely fine on iOS 11, iOS 12, but then on iOS 10, it ended up with it with a crashing scenario, a fatal error, unless I invalidated the layout on layout subviews, which was just not how it should be at all. But yeah, that that was the fix. 
if it's iOS 10, then go do this, which I really, really hate. But again, there's a, there's a sort of kind of level of pointlessness chasing it too much further for that particular app anyway. iOS 10 users is like a fraction of a fraction these days. And it's solved for iOS 11 and 12 onwards. So what's really the point? If I filed yeah. something, they're not going to go back and fix it just for iOS 10. No, I mean, what's what's even the percentage these days of iOS 10 users? It's, it's got to be single digits now, right? Yeah, yeah. For certainly for that for that app, that's where it was. Yeah, it's tough making those kind of calls, isn't it? But I think really, especially if you're like a one man show, you kind of have to make those calls sometimes and kind of make the hard choice. Yeah, because otherwise, like you know, you. you your time will just evaporate into nowhere. <laughs> you know, you've got to ship app at, apps at the end of the day, I suppose, haven't we? So Exactly, and I think that level of pragmatism is something that actually can be quite a tricky decision to make, depending on what the issue is. And I, I, th- I come at that from a point of view of, as a developer, I like solving problems. So there's that bit of me that wants to sort of know, you know, I want to pull the thread, find out what the, the problem is, and even if I can't sort it, if it has to be a radar or something, you know, at least then I know what the problem is. And and kind of remaining pragmatic and thinking about your free time to just ship means sometimes you kind of have to deal with just not knowing what the problem is. You know, you've, you've found a fix, move on. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only way I can get to that is I kind of file it or, or write some notes on it or something. And, and in my head, I'm going to go back there and fix it one day. And I've had a couple of those where it's like, you know, you think you're going to go back and fix it, but actually what happens is Apple are onto it anyway. And come the next update of iOS, if I just bump the app to supporting that version onwards and and cut ties with the older OS, I no longer have my problem. So, yeah, sometimes it pays just to sort of wait it out as well. No, that makes sense. So you're starting a new project at the moment, aren't you? Uh, yeah, started, I suppose. Um, I'm quite a way in now, actually. Um, cause it does, it's not very long ago we were talking about it and I was like, I'm, I'm, I've kind of made a start and it's going well and things like that. But yeah, I feel like it's going really well. I was talking to Heather last night and I was saying, I think this is like the best work I've ever done really. Um, which is really weird because I look back at when I was kind of writing apps within, um, my company that I had, yeah, I feel like now I, I'm I don't have a company. I'm just like writing this app, and I'll figure out what I do with it when it comes to launch time in terms of like businessy stuff. Um, but now I feel like, in a weird way, now the pressure's off. I'm actually doing like the best work I've ever done. Whereas actually, when I think about when I had the company and when I was making apps when it counted, I look back and I think, wow, that was i was just making some terrible choices both in terms of the apps i was working on and the direction that i took them and even down to the code like we discussed when i was um sort of recoding armchair my Kodi app at the time into swift i, I look back on it now and think you know I, just, I was not a good enough swift developer at that point to really be shipping swift code i think i was kind of like everything was being learned on the fly and you yeah. know just quickly googling for answers and stuff um yeah it's, it's strange um <clears throat> and you know i, I don't, there's no time pressure on this really um because like i say it's it's not like a this isn't like a business thing at the moment this is like i i don't know it's really weird it's like 
it's essentially a hobby, right? Um, yeah. And it's what I do in my free time. So if it takes longer to ship than I think it's going to take, that doesn't matter at all. Um, it's not like I've got money going out every month to accountants and having to file returns and all, all, you know, all the stuff that comes past and parcel of having a proper business. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel... I feel like I'm, I'm just really enjoying this process. I feel like it's going really, really well. Um, yet there's like no real pressure to actually do it. And I wonder if that is actually kind of why I feel like it's going so well and I'm having such a good time. Well, that's that's good in and of its own, own thing, you know. Um, I mean, like, do, do you think it's kind of giving you the freedom to get it right, as it were? Definitely, definitely, yeah. I remember feeling a huge amount of pressure um when i started up my company because it was a limited company i went to an accountant um got it all set up uh bank accounts all that kind of stuff and from day one i was paying the accountant um a a monthly fee just to take care of all the stuff related to the company okay so instantly you've got an outgoing that's that's more than your income because the app's not even sold yeah the app's not even shipped no because um i needed to do some in-app purchase stuff, which meant I needed to have a uh, an Apple developer account and things like that. And yeah, I just thought, let's just get the company set up and I can get the app developer account set up and I can get it all tied in. Um, and it's probably like three or four months before I actually shipped anything. Uh, all that time I was paying somebody. And yeah, there was just a horrible pressure of get it done, get it done, get it done. And yeah, I think that probably led to some poor decisions along the way. But now I feel like if I need to spend an afternoon reading on a topic and properly learning about something, that's fine because, yeah. you know, it's, I'm not wasting sort of company time. I'm just using my free time to learn about something cool that can then be fed back into my app and make the app better. Yeah. And that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just this weird, like, like liberation that I'm feeling, I guess. Um, kind of sounds like you're just, almost on a, a sort of developer sabbatical in a sense, but not because <laughs> you're actually still developing an app. You know, you're, you're yeah. still pulling something together. But you're sort of talking about taking that time to to really get into topics and bits that are new and learn them to that sort of next level. Uh, that's That's got to be quite good. Because then by the time you're laying down code, you know, you're coming in with a, a broader knowledge than you might have done if you were just trying to sort of solve that one problem at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, one example is that I read the Swift book that Apple put out cover to cover. Yeah. Um, when I say read it, I don't mean I just like quickly read it, which this is what I would have done like back in the old days. I would have like quickly skim read parts of it and be like, yep, yeah, I've read that. Uh, yeah. Right now I need to actually crack on and do some work because, you know, bills to pay, etc. Um, but this time I just read it cover to cover. Took me a while. I made loads of notes around it. Um, and I, I've come away from that feeling like I've got such a greater understanding of Swift, like all the little like nuances of it that you just wouldn't have got if I just skim read it and or just read it with the purpose of just trying to pick out the bit that I wanted so I could get this little job done that I'm trying to do at the time. Yeah. Because then it's almost like you're in that just like copying and pasting from Stack Overflow kind of mode, um, just in the hope that you can get it working so you can sort of run on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you say like I'm on some kind of sabbatical. I feel like I'm on a bit of a holiday, really, um, <laughs> in that I don't have like a real business to worry about. Um, 
yeah, I don't need to worry about apps making money or all this kind of stuff. Yet all the while, I'm still making apps, <laughs> which is kind of a weird, weird position it to be in. It could still um, all add up to that that sort of a thing. You could have a product at the end of it, but that's yeah, not necessarily but, your guiding focus. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to finish it. Like I feel like I've started it, so I'll finish it. But if I'm sat here in six months and it's you know close to being ready but not ready, I'm I'm not going to give myself a hard time. Um, it's going to be done on, on my terms, really, um, and I'm I'm just enjoying it. And I think that's the way the way it should be. Um, and again, now I've got like a a regular day job. That kind of if you look at like family finances that then takes away any burden on the apps to make money to kind of feed my family or anything because the day job takes care of that. So yep. yeah, financially, it's kind of like there isn't any real worry around it. And, and I wonder if because of all those reasons, like, you know, in terms of it being a business in its own sense, there's not the money to worry about there with the business having its own cost and there's not the worry with like, you know, the family getting money from it. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder whether because of all of those stresses and pressures going away, I'm now sort of free to perhaps do the best work I've ever done. And it feels like I am. Um feels like it's going really, really well. Um so yeah, I I I don't know, it's a strange feeling, but I feel like yeah, I could be onto something here. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool that you're enjoying it and and that's what it should be. It shouldn't be a grind. I think for oh well, hang on, I better rephrase that. I think like if you're pulling a side project together, um it should not be something you resent doing. You know, there might be times where you, you, it is a grind because you just want to get something shipped and you've gone into that sort of release mode and perhaps you're ticking through, you know, a tick list of stuff just to get something over that line. Yeah. Uh, but it shouldn't be something that you, you feel obligated to do or, or you're resenting to do in some fashion or, or you're just finding it's so pressurized you're not enjoying it. You know, if it's a side project, it should not be creating that sort of friction. And that's how I felt at the end of like kind of the end of Root Digital, which was my company. Um, that was definitely how I was feeling. I was feeling under pressure that it wasn't making enough money. So I was feeling under pressure to, you know, keep making updates to the app and hope that this one update will be the one that changes everything. And suddenly the floodgates will open and people will start downloading it in masses and, you know, buying the in-app purchase and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that was that was horrible. When I think back to it, it really wasn't pleasant at all. It just felt like you were just going from failure to failure to failure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that grind was was horrible, and it was totally something I resented. Yeah. T- towards the end, I didn't particularly like being in kind of this office because it just like felt whenever I came in here, it was just like okay, let's try and uh, get through some more stuff and get to the next level, and it never really turned into that really, um, which was. Which was a shame, and I still do feel kind of sad about it sometimes when I think about it. But I kind of feel like maybe it was a, a lesson for you in terms of knowing when to sort of kind of cut your losses with something or, or move on. In, in yeah, some and there was there was like a bit of pride involved as well. I think, um, yeah, because everyone knew that I was kind of like, just like people in my life, you know, family, friends, extended family. I was always kind of like the guy that made the apps. Yeah, and whenever people would see me, they'd be like, "So, how's the apps going?" And you know, I could normally be like, "Oh, yeah, okay," and this, that, and the other, and not really give any details and talk around the, end of the conversation. But no, but like, I thought, what, what am I going to say? Like, if I do decide to shut this all down, what, what do I say to people? Kind of like, "Oh, yeah, it's all gone really badly," and if I've had to shut it down, I really didn't want to have to have that conversation with people. No, um, 
That's and, that, that's that's the thing that that kind of speaks to it sort of being being an identity thing at that point as well. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, but it got to the point where actually that was like the least of my worries at the you know come the end when I was like stressing out about you know all the costs of the business going out every month and the apps were making less than that. Yeah. For you know a number of months up to the point where I decided enough was enough and you know killed it essentially. Um. Once I'd made that decision, it, it was like a big sort of weight had lifted. And actually having that conversation was just like a non-issue in, in comparison to kind of the, the decision that I just made and kind of the the stress that was involved in making it, if yep. that's making some sense. No, it does. It does make sense. And, and, and by the time you're then speaking about it, it's after the fact as well. And you've dealt yeah. with it all. So it's a very different conversation really to the one you thought you were going to have to have. But then I've kind of come out of that and I've gone straight back into apps again, albeit not under the sort of umbrella of a business. Yeah. Um, so if anyone does ask, it's like, well, you know, how's your apps going? Like, oh, yeah, great. I'm making a new one. Tell them all about it. And they're like, oh, cool. And it's like kind of back to how I was anyway. So it's a silly thing to have been worrying about when I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, you are still the guy who makes apps. Yeah. I mean, to them, it's like, do they care if I had a limited company and then decided to shut it down and then go into kind of a sabbatical mode and come out with something new sort of like they don't care about that it's just like you know how's the apps going yeah great <laughs> that's kind of all that's required really so I don't, yeah it's funny it was one of those things that you realize that sometimes you sort of fret about having certain conversations and then you realize that they're just like not a big deal when it actually comes to it yeah no it's cool um but yeah as far as uh, the apps going it's uh it's coming together i'm doing some server side stuff at the minute um which is interesting what environment's that in just given my general kind of hatred of having anything servery because (laughs) servers can crash and cause stress um but the the reason around it is um quick recap the app is like a newsreader and you can add your own news feeds like rss feeds to it but i'm trying to have a sort of curated directory um, of various different sites broken down by categories so that if you've got no clue how RSS works or you don't even know that RSS is a thing, the directory can get you started. Um, so my sort of server-side component is... Um, I've been kind of going around around the houses on it, really. Um, it would be cool to kind of get your thoughts on it. If you, you know, feel free to chime in on anything I'm about to yeah. say. Um, initially, I kind of thought, well, can I not just include the directory kind of in the app as like a JSON file yeah. and then have that read out and then I'm sort of eliminating any server-side component. Um, and then I thought, well, if I want to update the directory, I could just ship an app update, which is pretty good reason to update the app. Yeah. Um, maybe it might make Apple look favorably on me in that it's like a regularly updated app in terms of like search performance things like that i I don't know um on the other hand it could be one of those things where it's like please stop submitting these pointless updates where you're just updating (laughs) a json file Uh, yeah potentially um, uh okay so that's that's potential option number one yeah then i thought about i was listening to it might have been under the radar or atp um marco was talking about his um sort of sort of directory within overcast yep so when, um, and he was, I think he just basically looks at the iTunes directory and pulls from that. And 
uh, I think there's some stuff going on there where it, you know he'll detect, say in the technology section, he'll detect like what people are listening to and subscribing to, and then sort of chuck in the most popular ones in the technology section. Yeah. Um, then he, he he said there was an example where he I think um, someone wrote to him and said, "I demand you take this podcast out of the your directory or something like that," and. Obviously, it's not him, is it? It's iTunes, and he's just reading from iTunes. Yes. Um, but the point he made was that, you know, it's not worth the hassle. I'll just write a little bit of code to say, exclude this podcast from my Overcast directory, even though it's the iTunes directory, and then that's just problem solved. Yeah. You can just go back to the person and go, like, yep, it's gone, you know, and then maybe include a, by the way, it's actually iTunes. You maybe want to talk to them. But, you know, from his point of view, issue solved. And I thought, well, maybe I, I could end up in a situation like that. Let's say I add a site into the directory and the site owner finds out about it and isn't happy about it for whatever reason. It's a possibility, I've, yeah. Maybe I've misspelled something you know, or, or like there's a typo or, or I, I don't know, maybe I'm using the wrong fav icon and they say, we demand you use our official fav icon and you're using one that isn't official. Just something random like that. I figure if it's server side, I can kind of do instant fixes in that regard. Yep, exactly. Yeah, um, so- so, so yeah, just from yeah. that point of view, it's probably sensible to have it server side. So I've I've been building up a, a database, and the plan is is that I will. I'm also thinking as well. In order to get this directory built, it's quite a lot of data input. Um, yeah, because I've got like forty categories, and I want to have like probably at least ten, twenty, maybe more in each category of sites to get people started that they might be interested in. Um. So I want to try and minimise the data input from my point of view, just kind of out of pure laziness, really. <laughs> try and automate you know, as much of it as possible. Yeah, so I've managed to get it so I can, um, in the in the database, just give it the RSS URL. Yeah. And then I'll have a script that will run over the table that contains all the RSS URLs. And from the RSS URL, it can derive the sort of the actual website URL. Yeah. So if you've got like the RSS feed for BBC News, it'll be like, okay, that's bbc.co.uk slash news. Yep. And then it can crawl the uh, the website and it can derive metadata. It can derive the fav icon. Uh, it can derive like the title, like the name of the... So in this case, it'll just pull out BBC News. So all I need to do is give it an RSS URL and this script can run over and maybe do it once a day automated or once every few hours. Yep. And then I've kind of got all the latest info because if they then update their description... Um, that I'm going to display in the directory um, that can be accounted for as well. So I'm kind of getting the, the most up-to-date content from all the different sites I'm going to be including. Yeah. Uh, and from there, there'll be... Uh, it will create uh, JSON files for each category from that MySQL table. Yeah. And then that will be what the the app will look at. It will download those JSON files. So if you were to tap in, like one of the categories I've got is called News and Current Affairs. If you were to tap into there, it would then look for News and Current Affairs JSON, download yeah. it, and then populate the uh, you know the table view with all the sites from that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, okay. It came as a bit of a shock yesterday when I started writing PHP again because I haven't written PHP in so long. Um, it's like you were saying about identity. Um, probably the last time I wrote PHP properly was probably back when I had a real job that I left in like Jan uh, February 2017. 
so we're talking quite a while ago, but pretty much until yesterday, <laughs> I've always considered myself, even still, I just still consider myself to be, you know, I'm a PHP developer. And I opened up my, you know, text editor and was like, right, let's code some PHP. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> how do I do this again? I was, I was literally Googling every single thing I wanted to do. I was Googling how to do it again. Yeah. And it just absolutely staggering that you could just forget so much stuff. Because um, I've just been in like Swift land. Did it have that sort of like, you know, you never forget how to ride a bike kind of vibe after you'd, you'd sort of Googled a few things and you're up and running again? Um, it did. I mean, I was on it for, I was basically doing it yesterday while Charlie took a nap and he was napping for about two hours. Um, and yeah, I just felt for those two hours, I was just constantly like Googling how to do this in PHP, kind of like Google phrases. Um, just like really simple stuff. Like how do you find a length of a string was one of them at one point. I felt so ashamed having to Google that because <laughs> it was one of those things that you would have just known off the top of your head for just for like instantly when like back when I was doing it every day. So I'll put, I'll, I'll, stop you there just one second that is something i have to google for every language every single time because every every different thing every different language has its own way of doing it and i think swift has chopped and changed a few times as well whether you're counting like the the um number of characters in the string or you know taking something off the the string itself i think that that shifted uh so yeah uh, i would caveat that from my perspective, that's a, a very common thing to have to sort of find out how to do all over again, even though you should kind of just know it because every language kind of twists it and does it differently. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it just staggered me that how... how Because um, until quite recently, I considered myself more of a PHP programmer more, more than a Swift programmer. Yeah. So I considered myself to be like, oh, I'm much better at PHP than I am at Swift. and maybe it was kind of good that it happened yesterday because it kind of made me realize actually I've gotten pretty good at Swift. Um, and PHP now I, I was not good. Um, I'm sure it will come back if I did it for long enough, but I feel like I'm going to write these couple of scripts and then basically leg it and probably not do any PHP again for some considerable time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, just something to be mindful of, I think. Um, cause I, I certainly wasn't prepared for that yesterday and it kind of, took me by surprise and the first hour I was really quite frustrated I was like oh this is like taking forever and it shouldn't be that much of a big job I'm, I'm yeah. looping through some database records and doing a bit of this and doing a bit of that and it should be easy um and then the second hour I was like okay let's just take a minute you haven't done this in a while you've been doing loads and loads of swift yeah um it's okay that you're having to google for everything um and yeah but the 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 output in terms of productivity was like nothing compared to what I what I can achieve in swift now so I kind of feel a little bit more happy calling myself a Swift developer. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but yeah, just, just something to kind of, yeah, just keep, keep in the back of my mind. I think that if you, if you don't use it, you, you will lose it. And yeah, and that, that's okay. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's just something to keep in mind. I think there's something else there as well is that your own progression has kind of snuck up on you slightly in terms of, of what, where you're at with Swift, mm. you know, and that is probably, uh, giving you the um, kind of option to be able to sort of reflect on that a little bit more by diving back into to PHP there. And it's funny because when I was working like my web developer job pre February 2017, I would in my head it was like web is sort of 
easy, if that's even the right word to use. Like, you know, web is easy, iOS dev is hard. That's kind of how I looked at it. Right. Um, but then sitting there yesterday, I was like, huh, kind of like iOS dev is becoming easier and web yep. is getting harder. <laughs> so it's kind of like this, this weird shift. And yeah, I think I think you're right. Maybe maybe my progress in Swift has snuck up on me because I, I I still consider myself like a, like a junior sort of slash novice Swift developer. Um but it did make me wonder for a minute. Maybe I, maybe I'm being a bit unfair to myself. Maybe I am sort of better than I give myself credit for. I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm not even the one that should be judging that. Maybe I should show my code to you when I'm finished, and you can maybe make a decision on that. But um, <laughs> well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to play uh, code review buddy on that one. So that is something we we could look at if you wanted to. Oh wow, we should like live stream it on YouTube as well. <laughs> my shame. <laughs> That's all right. Then I'd do the vice versa then as well, because I think no matter where you're at, you know, you, you can still take a look at somebody's somebody else's code and say what that means to you. Uh so yeah. I'm not yeah. quite big on the idea that everybody in a team of every level should be involved in that sort of process. Mm, I've never actually had that through my my sort of jobby jobs programming. Um, so that, that I think I'd find it quite quite odd. Yeah, um, it's certainly like very odd the first, first time. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, sort of speaking through all of this, it's kind of made me think back to um, my three projects that sort of outlined at the start of the show, um, and, and and diving back into the code from those for me is kind of like these. Um, because of the nature of having to take some time out while we moved as well and the fact that obviously I've, I've been developing and working at, at paper kites and before that i was doing the contracting work as well um with swipe and tap and, and so there's been this whole sort of period of time where some of these projects have just not been touched that much each one of them is kind of like this this time capsule of where i was at in my journey as a developer at that point in time as well which, given a long enough period of time between the last time I looked at it and, and now, kind of also adds to sort of not wanting to crack them back open and work on them after a point. Because there's this element of I've moved on. You know, I make things in a different way now. And so I, I guess just to give a, a better example of that, with the iMessage app, which is the most recent code base, uh, it was updated to Swift 3 about, 18 months or so ago, I can't remember now, a while back. And that one was able to be migrated to Swift 4 quite easily with the auto-migration tools. And even then, that code base is structured architecturally in a way that I would not build an app now today. And so going back into it this weekend, actually, has been quite a weird thing. Um, but yeah, so I've encountered past Dave's code kind of passed past my judgment on that and sort of the, the problem there is that this is it's a product and the pragmatic thing to do here is to sort of figure out well does it really need to be uh refactored or can i just add to it as it is you know because it's not actually that bad a code base at all it's just that things are different to what i'm used to now uh, but then sort of hitting these edges of like, well, if I want to go and do that with this, I really would like to refactor it. And almost the answer to almost every new thing was, was kind of becoming that. But the pragmatic decision is to leave it alone and to actually just iterate it out from where it is. Uh, 
So it's a real element of, um, as I'm kind of looking at this and thinking about adding a new feature to the app, there's a real element of sort of sitting on my hands and, and fighting that urge not to just sort of refactor everything into to the way I currently develop. And that could be different in two years as well, though. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's also part of the reason to kind of sit on my hands there, because I don't think this app has that long a lifespan, really. Um, I'm adding a new feature just because it's something that I wanted to add in just after it was first shipped. And a couple of people have asked me for it. And it kind of feels like, well, if I'm ever going to do it, I really should. Uh, But but yeah, kind of fighting that that urge not to just completely rebuild something. And I think for, for this app, it's probably the better decision that I kind of either just build it in the same way as I did two years ago or the 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 nasty awe on this if you like is that I could kind of rebuild out that one screen in my current style uh and kind of and kind of just have that as a module within the rest of the app especially if I think that it's not necessarily going to live for that long that that might be the nicest thing to do so that I can actually get this feature feature together as quickly as possible because that's the other thing is kind of going back to my old ways it's got kind of a mental overhead that makes it more hard for me to do as well right so yeah I think I've kind of landed on I'm probably going to do the half and half uh, and, and shim this in in amongst everything else because it's a single screen and it can be isolated from the rest so that that's probably what I'm going to do uh it's not the nicest but yeah it's just it's knowing when to ship isn't it really yes yeah. like you say you could refactor and refactor and refactor and but yeah these are products at the end of the day aren't they um yeah it's it's a tough line to to sort of figure out where that balance is i think um yeah, I, yeah I, think... I, I always I always feel funny, like you say, about, you know, you know, this app was done in the old way and now I do it in this way. That's, that's like a fluid thing, though, isn't it? Because like we just said that you could be doing it in a different way in two years time and you'd look back on the way you've done it now and you're like, well, now this app is wrong in two ways because it's like half. I did it half and half. And so that's it's like twice as wrong now. Um, yeah, I think the the only thing that gives me kind of pause on that is that uh, like to, to not feel too worried about that is that the app itself is actually quite small. So, you know, if if future Dave is kind of cursing me into three years' time, well, I can do the refactor at that point across all of it and kind of bring it all together in some, in whatever the format I want it to be then without kind of feeling too much pain. I mean, the reason I'm not doing it now is because I think I could spend probably a couple of weekends on this and I don't feel like it's worth it. But... You know, we're talking maybe three days of of kind of reasonably full time effort, and then it would be done. Or maybe that's a bill that Future Dave can pay if the app is actually paying its way to to kind of justify the time. Yeah, that's true. Actually, when you put a financial lens on it as well, that that changes the decision a little bit, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And and, yeah. and that's the other thing is the the urge to try and make this all all one thing and perfect is is not a financial decision that's that's my sort of ivory tower wanting everything to look you know as 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 um as current and, and as well formatted as i think it can be uh yeah sure it'd be beautiful code but the users won't see any difference so the the, the actual most pragmatic decision is is to like I say code it 
code this particular screen as a module in the format that I'm working in the most often at the moment, because that's quicker for me to do. Uh, and to kind of just live with the fact that I've got this sort of half and half. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just well, ship it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that has to be the attitude because, again, it's a diversion from working on the other apps as well. And the, and the rebuild of, of the video mixing app, that is the one that's kind of, at the moment, the the most perfect sort of code base in terms of my own sensibilities and, and kind of making it work as to the sort of standards that I'm using in, in, um, in my regular job as well. So, yeah, it's a balancing act. Uh, I, I think you can tell probably by my tone of voice, I'm not completely happy about that decision. Uh, <laughs> um, but the reality is I've not lifted the list, lid on this code base properly in quite a long while now. And the time between now and when I next do that is probably going to be similar. So it's just not worth eating up a load of other time just to make it perfect on the inside. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.com.